0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests. Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of Two Millennials One Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Gable, and for the second time in a month, I am joined by Sean Mites. Back
1: again. Glad to be here.
0: With another hard hitting podcast. And we're talking third parties because you know what tomorrow is?
1: An election. Election day. Get out and exercise your right to vote.
0: Before we get started, though, I'd like to encourage all of you to subscribe, share, favorite, like us on Facebook, listen to our Spotify playlist. We're all over the internet. Take advantage of it and share it with your friends. Let's keep this thing going. All right. As we stated, we're talking about third parties, but more specifically, let's get into why we're talking about third parties or the idea that the two parties that we have offered to us aren't fulfilling us. And I'll just throw out some stats to begin with. First off, 42% of Americans, according to a Gallup poll in 2017,
1: consider themselves independent. That's a pretty high number of independent people.
0: Agreed, And I think that just speaks to America and what we stand for. It makes sense to me. Whereas 29% declare themselves as Democrats and then 27% declare themselves as Republican, according to this poll.
1: I would be interested to know the degree to which those people agree with the party platform.
0: I concur. I think most of the people probably responding in that poll just feel they are one way or the other, even though they may not be described by that political party in many facets.
1: Yeah. That's one of the interesting problems with the two-party system. And then one of the reasons why third parties are so intriguing is that with the duality, there probably isn't a high percentage of people that really agree with 100% of any one party's political platform.
0: That is absolutely just spot on. If your options are down to two, the odds of those two hitting 100% of your beliefs are zero. It's not happening unless you just toe the party line and you believe what they tell you to believe. There's always that situation but clearly the vast majority of Americans are not like that. That's probably why the independent population is so high. There was an NBC poll in 2017 as well that showed 71% of millennials think a third party is needed.
1: Good luck, millennials.
0: (laughs) That's a long goal, but we're with you, millennials. I think both Sean and I would agree that politically we could do a little better than the two parties offered. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Do you feel that
1: way? Yeah, I'm not a particularly big fan of either one of these parties. I think both of the two main parties have it wrong in a lot of areas. One of the things I'm sure we'll get into is just the impossibility of actually having and sustaining a three-party system. So historically, we've seen third parties rise, but it's usually at the demise of one of the other parties.
0: Definitely. And I know there are some people that pound the drum for third parties and they're like, no, no, no. What about these? What about the Republicans? Look, 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 look. Yeah. But they came at the demise of the Whigs. There's always someone that dies to make a new party. You're exactly right. Like you said, we'll get into that for sure just going back to the millennial thing for a moment other information that makes us pertinent to this particular podcast is they've studied the generations recently and just as a whole millennials are more independent in most things including politics than the baby boomers or generation X so as far as this being topical to our generation I think we as a whole are looking for something different we are outside of the box or the political norm could we be successful in getting a third party set up mm. Maybe, probably not, without the other one dying, but there seems to be a hunger for it across our generation. Shall we discuss some third parties in the past and talk about their success rate?
1: Yeah, we could definitely do that. You've got different levels of government, and at the different levels of government, you would have different potentials for success. For the presidency, the most successful, legitimate third party, not like the Whigs had imploded and the Republicans rise. That was 1860, Abraham Lincoln as the third party Republican. Republican, but second place the bull moose party and roosevelt when he ran as a third party he got himself second place which was definitely unheard of the one time where a third party has come anywhere close to winning that big of an office you do get independents sometimes i'm not sure that counts as a third party though so much as just a non-party because you can have an independent that is a socialist democratic socialist that is what bernie sanders is you can have independents that just don't fit a mold modern day like current parties like on the ballot that we'll see tomorrow we'll see green party candidates they're the environmentally friendly they really want to focus America's attention onto the environment
0: they're pretty far left if you are looking at the spectrum also they're quite anti-capitalist recently Jill Stein she was the nominee in the last election and the one before that for the Green Party and they are typically viewed as siphoning votes from the Democrats so Democrats aren't big fans of the Green Party but that is a legitimate party on the ballot tomorrow
1: yeah we'll see some of those and libertarians I notice your uh, t-shirt there yes I am currently they're wearing a Gary Johnson t shirt. He
0: is a libertarian, and Republicans usually don't like libertarians because they seem to siphon votes off of that side.
1: Yeah, the libertarian is an interesting group. Socially, pretty liberal. And then fiscally, in terms of the way the government spends money, they're pretty conservative. And so you get a cross diagonal left to right swing there that is the libertarian party.
0: Right, they take a little bit of both parties They situationally should be in between Republicans and Democrats Not necessarily centrists by any means But they pull from different sides of the spectrum Uh, The classic libertarian phrase Is that we want the government out of our bedrooms And out of our paychecks or out of our pockets Just kind of want the government out of things
1: Yeah, I, I was doing some reading And it was something like Liberals give you choice on what you do But not on what you spend And conservatives give you choice on what you spend But not on what you do And libertarians give you Choice on what you do and what you spend. So, this is pretty interesting. There is no political third party that is the opposite of the libertarian,
0: which we'll say for the last section of this podcast, because I think I know where this is going. But you're right, libertarian kind of stands there, but there is not a cohesive group on the other end pulling from the social aspects of the Republicans and the Mm -hmm. fiscal aspects of the Democrats. But we can ponder that here in a moment. Some other third parties that are currently on the ballot, you have some socialists from time to time you have some
1: constitutionalists such a good name oh it's like oh constitutionalist right. it sounds positive they are probably most closely related to what we know as the tea party tea party is not actually a third party it's not actually a party the tea party is a movement and the constitutional party is the tea party's party if the tea party didn't go to the republicans and swing the republicans a little further to the right
0: and that's the thing with some of these political parties, they're just subsets or a little more fringe or extreme versions of the political parties we already have, which if you're trying to be bold and command the electorate, I don't know if that's the way to go about it. Your vote margins are going to be so small if you're just like picking off a current, like, oh, I'm going to get this small group of Republicans to vote for me. That doesn't seem to be the way to go if you're going to implement some third party strategy, but that's currently our options as far as things that you'll see on the ballot tomorrow. Historically. There have been some neat ones, and I I just feel like I need to share this because I don't think most people know this. There's a slew of political parties in the 1800s that would recruit former presidents to run for them, and these are just so cool. Like, the Free Soil Party convinced Martin Van Buren to come run for them. The Know Nothing Party, which is interesting on its own, convinced Millard Fillmore, of all people, to come run for him. And then, like you said, Teddy Roosevelt, he had a good run in the Progressive Party or the Bull Moose Party, and like you said, he came in second. That was the best performance of a third party. Props to these old parties for convincing former presidents to run for him. But even that didn't put him over the edge or put him over the hump. Arguably, those are some pretty weak former presidents besides Roosevelt. But I mean, they tried. And then even more recently, there's a lot of hate for third parties in general. In 1992, good old Ross Perot, he was actually pretty formidable. He got 19% of the popular vote, which for a third party in this day and age, that's massive. And he was even invited to the presidential debates, which that's a debacle on its own. But he clearly, commanded attention and got people interested. In fact, a lot of people credit Ross Perot for Bill Clinton's presidency because it pulled a lot from people that probably would have voted for the second term of George H.W. Bush, but oh well, that happens. That's part of the deal with democracy.
1: Actually, Ross Perot is a funny character in my own life. He is the first presidential candidate that I voted for, but it was in a middle school. uh, (laughs) Like, who's going to be the president election? You know, like, so they pulled the middle school, and I was a huge fan of Ross Perot. Like, I loved his charts.
0: You could convince me. I could see voting for Ross Perot. Oh, yeah.
1: Sixth grade. I forget what grade it was in. But, uh yeah, sixth grade, Ross Perot had my vote. Couldn't vote, though.
0: But, hey, I'm sure he'd be honored to hear that. Yeah. Also, kind of in that same scenario in the year 2000, another similar human as Ross Perot, this guy named Ralph Nader, who... Uh, lots of charts lots of like I'm gonna sue automobile makers and put seatbelts in cars like that kind of dude he's largely credited for George W. Bush being president because his candidacy pulled a few votes or a lot of votes away from Al Gore in that presidential election. So it's not that third parties aren't meaningful. They have shaped our current political structure quite significantly. Yeah, they're not winning these races, but they can tilt the balance following the 2016 election. This is an error in logic, but a lot of people are slamming on Jill Stein and, uh, Gary Johnson for Trump's presidency, if you start digging into that, you see that's false. He would have won no matter what. That aside, third parties have an impact. I mean, Gary Johnson, he got 3% of the vote in 2016, which again, recently, that's a huge deal.
1: Yeah, and that's really the goal of the third parties they know they're not going to get elected. I mean, obviously they're trying and they're trying their best, but really one of the main purposes of the third party is to shift political ideology of the parties in different directions. So we saw that, for example, with the Tea Party and that movement. You saw Republicans in office, they were feeling the force of this Tea Party movement and they shifted their views as a result of that because they want to stay in office. And so in order to do that, you have to be able to still appeal to your base and the base under the tea party shifted further to the right. And you saw the backlash on things like health care and things like that. And Trump is not a third party candidate, but the interesting thing about immigration over the last 20, 30 years is that the party ideology on immigration has shifted and actually reversed itself. Reagan was granting amnesty all the way up to Bush was granting amnesty yeah like they had year
0: after year after year of Republicans allowing these undocumented immigrants essentially become citizens yeah mm-hmm. that was a Republican mantra until the, you're right the tea party came in and mm-hmm. they're like we need this wall protect the country these invaders are coming yeah that has definitely shifted you're exactly yeah. right
1: and Bill Clinton was increasing border security and building fences and doing some stuff to try and beef up the wall so you see these shifts and I think you know the part of the problem with the independent' well, it's not that problem with the independent but part of the reason for so many people being independent if your views lined up at one point that doesn't mean that 10 20 30 years down the road your views are still going to be aligned with them unless you just like oh yeah that's right now too and you just sheepishly follow along with whatever they're saying to do just because they're republicans or they are democrats and i think that's the power of the third party is to say we're not this thing that the behemoth has become And we are this other thing and try to shift the policy, try to shift the ideas to some other direction.
0: You brought up an interesting point of these factions or these third parties, how they shift the window of acceptability within a certain political party. Uh, Right now, you see the converse of that where the right and the Tea Party pulled the Republicans so far to the right. Well, now you have the same thing happening on the left Mm -hmm. with these Democratic socialists. And I'm not talking socialist socialists. I'm talking like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Cortez. She won and she's blatantly Democratic socialist. And these liberals are no longer trying to be that centrist I'm going to try to win these Republicans. They're just going for it. They're like, let's do all these social policies and let's fly our liberal flag and just do this stuff. And for the most part, they're finding success in certain areas of the country. So now you're going to start seeing the Democrats slip over further left. And that's what's terrifying is now you have two very polarized sides, but that's a story for a different day.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why we're seeing that polarization, but as long as it's working, People are going to keep doing it. I mean, to tie it back to third parties, I don't see a viable third party that exists at this moment that could rise up and take one of the two down. And I don't know that either party is necessarily on the verge of collapse. The parties are shifting. Like Trump has shifted, but even some of his trade policies have shifted. And so the parties, maybe they're just a little more fluid and will adapt to the changing political landscape where they won't have the implosion of the past, and they'll be able to sustain themselves.
0: I mean, that's a decent point. That has happened before. If you look at Republicans and Democrats in the early 19 and mid-1900s, they st- flip-flopped you know or even in the 1800s like my grandparents version of a democrat is a hardcore republican right now and vice versa the parties have legitimately flipped on a lot of issues and like you described now that's still happening in this current day and age they are fluid it's electability it's what can we do to stay in power
1: yeah johnson's presidency in the 1960s and the voting rights act lost the southern vote the southern democratic bloc gone And so you see Republicans in the South, especially among white voters. Uh, So you, you see those shifts, and we're in the midst of that with no clear conclusion, only speculation. And I'm not a fan of speculation. For sure.
0: General question. I'll throw this out to the room. Why? Why can a third party not win in our democracy?
1: It is a systematic flaw within the structure of our electorate that precludes alternative parties from success. (laughs) So... Alright, so, the real answer there. We have a winner-take-all strategy. And so, in order to win, you need to get more votes than the other guy. And so, it is a one representative from whatever district. So, you get one at a time. So, the senator that is elected from the state wins that one seat. So in order to do that, you need 51% of the vote. There is no proportional voting system. There's no way to represent the true viewpoints of all of the people of the state. It's just the winner takes it. And so the bigger parties have the ability to dominate because of the lack of proportionality to whatever chamber they're going to, whatever house they're going to. I mean, that goes with the president of the electoral college. You win a state, you get all the points. Even if it's 51% of a state, still get all those points from that state. So, a third party, they can't muster enough vote to get over that hump of the bigger two parties. They've got a lock on the system.
0: Absolutely. And in fact, this is such an apparent thing that there's a law in the political science realm. But Duverger's law is that if you have a first past the post or a winner take all system in your political structure, there will be two parties. It will devolve into a two party system. And there's really nothing you can do about that. It has to be two. And it's to the point where the two that currently have power, and this drives me bonkers as someone that would like to see a third party, they actively work against third parties. They work to suppress them. Recently, Gary Johnson in 2016, there were times he was polling at 10 or so percent nationally. He applied to be in the presidential debates, and they said no, because you have to have 15 percent. Well, guess who controls the presidential debates it's the republicans and the democrats mm. and they don't want a third party in there they don't want to take the vote share away and hurt their own chances because the libertarian or the green or whoever they're going to pull from somebody or both there's no way in the current political structure you are stuck with republicans or democrats until one of them dies and you get a new one
1: and even then that new party is not going to have any incentive to change the system because they benefit they benefit off the structure of the system it's easier to do if it's just two horses in the race than if it were three or four or five they would lose their share of the power so the only way to change something like this would be to fundamentally change the system and the structure of our representation the house of representatives is population based but it's population based based on the whole state divided up into sections and those those districts those sections are also winner take all so every level of our government functions in this winner take all system it would take constitutional amendment To change the structure of our system, you would have to, I guess in the proportional sense, you'd have to change where you'd have multiple seats available for each district and proportional to the whole of the district. Who is going to listen to this?
0: (laughs) Someone that cares about expanding our political (laughs) options.
1: So many ideas. So that, you know, if you have half of your population is one party and then you have a quarter that are two other parties, you would have enough seats available to share that third party. So then it's like, oh, no, this other party, they get a seat out of the four. So two seats go to the 50 percent. One seat goes to each of the quarter percents of the vote so that you could have a sustainable system of third parties and get a more diverse group of people to do the governing for us.
0: To do the representation of the people, which sounds Perfect.
1: Yeah, what? You want to represent people based on their (laughs) own views? Like, no. Offer better candidates. Oh, Lord.
0: But, I mean, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. The two parties in power, they don't want this. I mean, I think about the Electoral College all the time. That is a terrible system. Sorry, founders. That does not work in this day and age. (laughs) That isn't the worst display of democracy I've seen probably in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I ask Democrats, I'm like, hey, you guys have now lost two presidential elections in the last 20 years because of the Electoral College. You've won the popular vote. Do you have any plans if you are to take power to change it? They all say no, which is insane. But they are afraid that if they lose that, they like this system. Yeah, it's cost them twice, but maybe it won't the next time, you know? It can keep all of these other unknowns out. I'll take the gamble. I may lose the popular vote, but win the election. I'll take that gamble. You would need a revolution, either through ideas or bloodshed, in order to change the system. We're we're trapped under this, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, there's no foreseeable path to changing the electoral college, the two-party system. It just won't happen. I will give Trump credit. He explained his victory. You know, it didn't matter that he lost the popular vote. I mean, he's right. He said that he would have played the game differently if the rules were different. So without an electoral college, does that automatically mean that Republicans are going to start losing more elections? I don't think so, necessarily. That's the big fear I hear on that one. And so the, that's the fear is like Republicans are going to start losing elections because two Democrats had lost. But Trump was right. You would play the game differently if the rules were different. I mean, people from Wyoming would no longer get their, you know, pumped up, steroided, vote power that they do and californians would be equally represented in the vote for the president but you know one man one vote stuff it's just theory
0: all right Due to time constraints, we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 41 right here. But please tune in next week for episode 42, where we resume the conversation with Sean Mines about our ideal third parties and what changes we'd like to see in the political system. Hope you all go out there and vote tomorrow. Please be an active participant of our democracy. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We'll see you all next week.